Sorry, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> we are very we proper la- ladies. Okay. <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> The Little Red Bandwagon, the sometimes twice weekly show about the show Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Hillary H. Mom Livingston Butler, coming to you from the um, slightly hungover middle aged mom who tried to act like a millennial studios in Austin, Texas. Uh, fortunately, it's a Boot the Boys edition of LRB, so I have my girls to support me in my time of need. From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne with the Plan Lundholm. Hi, Anne. Hello, Hillary. Don't talk too loudly. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I make you some soup? <laughs> Please. And you told me you were making what? Peanut butter bars? Peanut butter Is chip that... bars. Oh, I'm coming up. I'm getting on a plane. I'm like leaving Dave with the children and I'm coming up there into co- into like the warm cocoon of Anne's. Right. <laughs> uh, and also from the Hodgesboro Studios in Lincoln Park, Michigan, it's Meredith the MVH Van Harn. Hi, Meredith. Hey, Hillary. I've got some cabbage soup that going. Honestly, so I think that might be good for a hangover, too. Yeah, I could do that. And then um, and then I'll go jaunt over to Minnesota and get some bars yeah, for dessert. Yeah, <laughs> that's the lifestyle I lead. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I will trudge through and, and try to overcome my stupidity of last night. Um and and also, as usual, we'll go through the LRB biz, tackle uh, this, I think, sort of weird week in review, mm-hmm. uh, do our housekeeping, and finally, how to get involved. And with that, Anne, you have a mind for business, don't you? <laughs> I try. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start out by saying happy Hanukkah to our Jewish listeners. I meant to oh, mention yeah, it indeed. on last week's recap, but whoops, I forgot. Um, and Hanukkah's long over, but... Never mind. I mean, we're a little Christmas focused as people who come from a Christian tradition, uh, whether it's religious or secular. But I didn't want the Jews to think that we'd forgotten all about them. So happy Hanukkah. I hope your latkes tasted good and you got good presents on all of the eight nights. My um, he it does not um, practice at all, but my dad is Jewish. So oh. I'm, I have a yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we I know nothing about anything. Uh, <laughs> Judy, he was not a great teacher of it, but he he is Jewish, or I don't know if he would actually consider himself Jewish anymore. But uh, I guess uh, culturally Jewish. Sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's what I got. There was a temple, and it had oil, and it burned for eight <laughs> nights. There, yes, there you go. We got it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Um, we released a Friday show this week. It was the LRB year in review for 2018 that I put together from all of my favorite moments. I hope everybody gets a chance to listen to that because I think it turned out quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it did. Currently, my favorite moment is 
when Hillary, you were talking about when you met Dave and you told him he had to get rid of the <laughs> Irish dot rat email and he had to get rid of the pleated pants because they were bad. And oh, Mike's like, that God. happened to me too. They weren't bad pants. And you were like, I'm here to tell you they were bad pants. <laughs> no, they're bad pants. They were, they are terrible pants. They're awful. It doesn't even matter. You don't have to be like a super slim guy. Like pleated pants are bad. They're not good. I don't mm-hmm. care if the 90s are coming back or whatever. Like, pleated pants don't look good on anybody. Nope. Um, also, and the, I loved the clip show. I thought it was so good. And it reminded me of, the, I feel like they don't do this as much anymore. But remember in the 80s, like, you'd be watching, whatever, Golden Girls or something. And they didn't want to have, like, a fully new show. But they also didn't want to say they had, like, a repeat. So they would do clip shows. I mm-hmm. loved them. I don't know why. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. I remember all of these fun times. <laughs> and that's what, like, we yeah. should we should all be sitting around, you know, a table and, uh, Miami eating cheesecake and you know discussing the times of the past year. They did that for a lot of sitcoms, yeah. and I guess I don't I don't remember seeing that in ages. No, I know it was definitely a staple Aww. of the '80s sitcom. Yeah, I think the last one I remember it in is Friends. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It's been a long time since since anybody did that. Well, let's get on it. Except for us. <laughs> I mean. We're on the cutting edge of 90s revival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a badge to wear proudly. Uh, yeah. Um, Never mind. Continuing on in business, we have a jam tracker update this week. Um, we uh, received a donation from Summer Aldrin, getting us out of a few jams. Summer is from Issaquah, Washington. And I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but Glenn Ferguson, our jam tracker donor from last week, played in plays in the Issaquah Philharmonic. So Whoa. it's our what? Issaquah peeps are all coming out. And Summer put a note in that says, I am an LRBP one and I owe it to you guys. Thanks for every show you make. They make my life better. Funnily oh. enough, Aww. I am a Summer Alter in P1, so it all works out. <laughs> yeah. It's Thank weird. you so much, Summer. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just mention that Mike and Bobby have been growing it up in Boston this week. I think they're both back in the places that they're supposed to be. I mean, Bobby, who can even keep oh. track of him these days? He's well, always I don't know where he lives. So, But uh, yeah. Mike has made it back to the ranch, and we saw a lot of pictures of them. Uh, at various eateries eating lobster mostly yeah I'm a little bit worried about Mike because you know he always says that he has to have the lady portion (laughs) yeah and they went to all these places and he just can't handle that (laughs) no I did say that to Dave I said he he can't eat that much why are they keeping going to all these places Bobby take care of him he beat diabetes let's not let's not bring it back Mike yeah Yeah, be careful I kept thinking I was like do I um you know, looking at all the pictures and it looked like a super fun time. And I was like, dude, would I want to be like a fly on the wall of whatever conversation they're having? And I no. I was like 60, 40, no, yes. Like a part of me because I'm like, <laughs> I like am the a living embodiment of the eyeballs emoji. Like I just always want to know what's going on. But also I think I would be disturbed maybe <laughs> if I actually heard what they were talking about. Yeah, maybe that can remain a mystery. <laughs> Well, hopefully they had a good time and they'll tell us about it the next time we have an opportunity. I'm sure. Um, I put a quick note in business that I want to go to the yoga corner because I want to <laughs> talk to, well, Meredith, I know you are a fairly experienced yoga person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary, you have gone to yoga classes, right? Yes. I I feel like I vacillate a little bit uh, of like, sometimes I'll super be into it. There was a place in Austin, or it still exists, but it was like uh, donation based, which was great because I didn't want to join a gym like or a, a yoga place because I already am a member of a gym. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I can just pay, you know, $15 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But now it's like, I don't know, it's like... It has to be $20 each time. And I've just gotten out of the cycle of going. But I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I enjoy yoga, but it's not like my, my staple. And you know what Warrior 2 is? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> See, now Luke knows Warrior 2. And we all know <laughs> yeah. Warrior 2. Mm-hmm. Well, I am just totally a like a yoga dabbler. The only one that I ever go to is yin yoga, which they also call restorative yoga, which is, Meredith, you'll have to correct me if I don't get any of this stuff wrong, but it's not the yoga that's about muscles. My instructor says it's more yoga that's about kind of stretching your connective tissue back into place. Mm -hmm. So it's more Mm -hmm. like your fascia and your ligaments and stuff that get all out of whack. And so it's really just laying on the floor and stretching. (laughs) Which yes, the 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 yin classes I've been to have been they're extremely slow. Mm-hmm. You hold poses for a very long mm-hmm. time. Sometimes I've been in ones where you hold each thing for seven minutes on each side, um, and uh, it's not it's not easy. That's the thing. Like I was like, oh, this will be like super chill. Sometimes those are harder than the super strenuous classes because. You, you know, the, the, the challenge is to not fidget and to not let your mind wander in a million places. And that's really mm-hmm. hard. And sometimes when you're holding a pose for that long, you start to feel like, oh, I really want to come out of this. Like my, you know, my foot's falling asleep or my leg is getting sore or whatever. And you have to kind of you can do adjustments and stuff, but you got to try to not be fidgety. And that's really tough. And my uh, yoga instructor, she says you can feel the discomfort and you can breathe through it. She's like, no, if mm-hmm. it's pain. That's different. That's a different, But yeah. if it's just discomfort, yes. handle it. And it can be uncomfortable. Yeah, it really can. My studio, they say, um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, so when I go to, they turn all the lights off and they kind of turn the temperature down a little bit. And there's a real like aspect of meditation to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's this thing that happens. That's why I'm an Andrew and I don't really like people that much that I have been wanting to ask you guys if this happens in the classes that you've gone to as well. Because we always start out with like a five minute meditation thing where either you sit in your lotus pose or you lie on the floor or whatever makes you happy. And then it's just silent for those five minutes and you're getting into your headspace or whatever. And I think it is the height of rudeness to come late to a yoga class especially when you're starting with meditation, right? Because people come Mm -hmm. clomping in the door and walking around and putting, and there are several people that have the yoga mats that they bring that have like a Velcro strap on it to hold it rolled up. And so it's silent and everybody's like, you know, being mindful and then it's like rip, rip. And I'm like, what are you doing? So this isn't just my gym no 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 that they don't really I, I'm trying to think so at the studio that I go to now in Michigan they don't really let people in late like I can't um, I can't remember that happening in the past year at my old studio in Texas it happened all the time um, you could knock on the window Ugh. if you were late and they would they would yeah. come and unlock the door for you yeah um, but my studio in Michigan they don't really 
do that, I guess. But the thing that, that, you know, I, I try to get to class like maybe 10 minutes before it starts so I can lie down and like my mat lives in my car. So it's really, really cold right now. (laughs) So I, I, I need, I need to let the mat warm up a little bit and then I'll lie down and, and just relax for a little while. But people come in and like, you're not supposed to really talk in there, but people do all the time. And the thing that really kills me is when people unroll their mats really quickly. So it'll like flap down on the ground. It'll make a big slapping sound. And it just like, it's so jolting. Yep. It's really terrible. And they don't think, they don't think anything of it. I set my mat down on the ground and I unroll it like very slowly because I don't want to disturb anybody, but they don't care. And I always, first thing I do is take my shoes off. So that I'm not clomping yeah. as I go to get the props and whatever. It just doesn't seem to occur to some people at all. I'm like, I you could take your shoes off outside in the hall if you're going to be late. I mean, the theory is it's better to come late than to not come. Yes. Right? Sure. sure. Well, the other thing is I've had teachers say things like when there are distractions, it's part of your practice to, right. yeah. to let those pass you by, right? To not let them affect you. So I always try, I mean, it's really, really hard, but I always try to be like, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you. Just, you know, carry on. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, this is at my gym. So there's the workout um, general workout floor outside and then you go into the studio and there's a row of treadmills right by the door and for a while there was this woman who would run on the treadmill that was right next to the door but I swear to God she, like she was part elephant it would be like bam 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 <laughs> on the treadmill and she was really like young and slender and small and I was like how does she produce that sound and she would run <laughs> intervals so it'd be like bam 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 for oh, two minutes stop. And then it would stop and you just hear the treadmill going and then she would start mm-hmm. again. And one time after class, my instructor was like, you've all done such a good job working with the distractions at hand. And we all asked because yep. we knew exactly yep. what she was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a practice. Well, okay. I feel like I get unreasonably annoyed at no. these people who I- are so disruptive. So Listen, no, that's, rude. that's rude because it is like a meditative thing i get annoyed even like i got a this thing called body combat which is like kickboxing or whatever aerobics kind of deal and Mm -hmm. uh i get annoyed when people like decide to do like their own moves and stuff i'm like we're all doing a routine here follow the routine what are you doing why are you in the class so i i would i would fully get annoyed if people were disturbing like my state after my realization about the visually impaired yogi that I had a couple of weeks ago, I'm never going to ever, ever think that about anybody again because I felt so bad about that. Yeah, yeah that'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> it did. It did. It's like she could do her own thing. Fine. It's fine. No, what, that's why her, her mat is kind of askew from everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. That makes Just a lot of sense now. Don't stand in the middle of everybody because then when I see you and you're not doing the routine, it confuses me. Well, it is confusing. Sometimes you have to look to other people for cues. Mm-hmm. Like you, you missed it or you don't quite understand what the teacher's saying. So you look around and that doesn't help. No. Let me tell you. All right. Well, I'm glad I had a chance to discuss this with you. I thought this would be best discussed without the guys here since I don't yes. think either of them does yoga. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the uh, throw your phone news All of our throw your phones are very specific. We have no general ones to start off with. I thought we were going to have a really light week on throw your phones, and then they all came in at the end of the week. (laughs) Whatever that says. (laughs) So we will tackle those as they come. All right. You want to start with the week in review? Let's do it. 
All right, we've got Monday 2789, The Shape of Our Sinuses. This was my favorite episode of the week. Oh, by a long shot. For sure. Yeah. So we've got Jeannie Yandel from Battle Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. She's the guest. She's taking Luke's place basically today, and she is so wonderful. She's great. I have subscribed to her podcast. I listened to the last one. It's super. The one about aliens and about how aliens is a sexist movie (laughs) was just so great. I've never seen a single alien movie, no. but I was like, yeah, get her. I started listening from the beginning of the podcast. And I think that I'm just through a couple of episodes. And the second one is about, they say, man interrupting, you know, men who interrupt you all the time. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I need to have a podcast about this podcast because I want to talk about it. <laughs> Next up, a battle tactics for your sexist workplace recap podcast. <laughs> spearheaded by Anne. It's such a good show though because it's got all the like production and quality that you would expect from a public radio podcast but uh, Jeannie and Eula are so like relaxed and personable Mm -hmm. and entertaining that it's just such a nice like marriage of competent and hilarious. Yeah and their conversations are really good and they're smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so she was just a delight on this show. I really loved her. And I think we had discussed in our chat, like when there are women on the show, oh. it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just our perception, but it's, it seems so much better. Mm-hmm. It's so much better. And it's not even just like, let's talk about lady stuff, which is good. I'm no. glad that we can have a different perspective, but it's, it brings like a liveliness to it. Um, and they're not just so deep into their belly buttons, you know, they're like mm-hmm. kind of thinking outside yes. of their own experiences and perceived slights or whatever. It's actually like thinking about the wider world and it's, it's just anytime she's on or like Genevieve or whatever, even, you know, Carrie or any of them, it's like, Oh good. It's like a, you know, a breath of fresh air. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and this one, I think also, you know, Andrew was hosting, right? right? So he put on a different hat for this one. And he always kind of steps up when he's got to do that. Right. Uh, yes. And I, I find um, when they have any guests, but maybe women in particular, uh, they're not going to go crawling down into the sports hole. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you don't know it's going to be 20 minutes before we get out of this talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that yeah. quite a bit. Um, on to the content of this show. Andrew talks about how he wants to quit drinking coffee. I'm not entirely sure why. why? I, why? There are a lot of people who are like, you know, if I guess if you're drinking like two pots of coffee a day, maybe cut back. But like, I don't understand not drinking coffee <laughs> at all. I just don't. I mean, caffeine's not that bad for you in, in moderation. It's actually kind of good for you. And coffee can be good for you. And tea, like, whatever. If he wants to do it, he wants to do it. Um, but he, he kind of talks about like his addiction to caffeine and then how he switched to tea and, and he tries to get Jeannie to like diagnose his caffeine addiction. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I'm definitely qualified to do that. Let me, (laughs) let me, uh, answer your questions. Um, and, uh, he comes up with, uh, asking her what her top three holiday drinks are and they talk about eggnog and hot toddies and then uh, definitely, uh, the most about hot chocolate. And she mentions this, uh, panel that she was on where they had a hot chocolate like so basically a hot chocolate bar which sounds amazing (laughs) like a bowl full of marshmallows i want to go to there um so that was that was delightful they talk about john barth who i don't even know who that is but it was delightful to listen to them geek out about um public radio stuff they talk about prpd and npr quite a bit um and uh they talk about then about Jeannie's podcast and um I guess uh 
I don't know if it was a 10 or if it was just one of her listeners, but somebody wrote in to say that um, the podcast that Jeannie does helped her get a job or get a, got a promotion. Cool. So awesome. Yeah. It's Which really was awesome. pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, they discuss how about their, how their last episode was about how aliens was a sexist movie. Um, that's a really great show. If you haven't listened to it, I mean, I felt like it was fine to jump in at their last one, but um, yeah. there's a back catalog that's available. I'm excited. I've downloaded it, but I haven't started listening yet. But um, I, the way they were talking about it, it's, um, you know, I work in a really, really male dominated office and industry. And sometimes you think you're like crazy for thinking something is sexist or, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like against you or kind of like trying to keep you as a woman down and it's like listening to her talk. I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm like This is actually yeah. happening. And it's institutionalized to the point of like, these guys don't think it's bad because it's just like what they know and how they do work. And it's kind of cool to listen to people break it down. Yeah. It's validating. Hillary, do you find that the younger guys have the same attitudes or is it more the men of a certain age that were just raised with those kind of um, sexist attitudes and expressions um I think maybe it's slightly less in the younger people what I'll say though in my particular field of work which is commercial real estate the way you come about it generally is because like your dad was in commercial real estate or like it's not something you're like oh I want to be a lawyer and you go to school for this this is something you kind of hop into you know mostly if you have the means to do it Um, Mm -hmm. and then you can make a lot of money, but you kind of have to have the background to understand even what it is because it's not something that it's like taught in school. So I feel like those people, most of the people I work with are generally like their dads, you know, were brokers. And so now this is just their line of business. So they're, it's, they're not evolving. It's not like, Oh, I'm younger and I'm a little bit different. It's like, they're kind of all in the same line now, you know, because millennials or whatever are different. Um, I, I would say they're, um, a little more evolved, but not, not not a ton <laughs> not a lot <laughs> yeah I just wonder because you know I work in a really male dominated office as well and I definitely notice the holdover culture for the bosses the most the yes. younger guys it doesn't seem to be I mean the older guys just use that casually I don't know, almost passively sexist yeah. voice mm-hmm. yeah. when they talk about It's like about. thoughtless. Yeah, they yeah. remember the time when women were all secretaries and, yep. you know, you referred to your wife as the ball and chain or whatever, all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. I feel like those guys are on their way out. But maybe it's just because I'm working with engineers and the younger guys are just clueless about everything, but they don't seem to have those same attitudes. So I'm hopeful that kind of mirrors my experience. I have um my my office is pretty pretty 50/50 actually. Like my my boss is a woman and her boss is a woman. Um the head of our department, the head of research is a woman. Um and and until recently the CEO of the hospital was a woman. Um she retired recently and uh um a man a really actually a pretty wonderful man took her place. So I'm very happy with the leadership at my office. Um I I have very few experiences with my coworkers being sexist, but I work with doctors. And a lot of times I see it from the older male mm-hmm. physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, especially ones that are not comfortable with email and always want to meet in person. They don't even want to talk on the phone. Um, so I feel like I need to cater to them quite a bit more. Um, but th- there's one PhD in my office who referred to me recently as a girl, um, which kind of I bristled at that. Um, and he came, he actually came to my office later and apologized to me. Oh, that's 
for it. Good. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's no big deal. It, it did strike me a little strange. Um, but, but thank you for, for thinking about that. You know, I, he, he's near retirement too. And so this is something that I think is coming from the people who are in their sixties, mm-hmm. at least yeah. in my case. Um, and the younger guys in my office are abs. I've never gotten any sort of vibe like that from them. Mine is it's so it's not like um like hey toots come over here or whatever. It's <laughs> it's more like just this casual uh like I don't know I can't like there uh, like you said there's like there's a kid I mean I say kid he's 25 years old and I like him but he was referring to this woman who works at another firm and he said oh she's this girl that does blah 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 and I said mm-hmm. I said. Hey, she's like a very she under 18. She's like in her 50s and she's a really accomplished Mm -hmm. person. She's not a girl. He was like, well, I wasn't trying to be rude. And I said, well, would you call it a boy if it was a guy in the same Mm -hmm. position? He's like, what do you want me to say? I said, like a woman or even say gal, I guess, in the parlance of uh, Luke Burbank. But um, sure. (laughs) But a girl is so diminutive and, and, you know, belies like whatever accomplishment that she has. So. I don't know. I mean, I'm so such a loud mouth that um, and, and, like people don't really step to me that much, but they do sometimes. And sometimes you just have to fucking swallow it and it sucks because you just have to get yep. whatever done and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Quite right. This pod. Yeah. If any of you out there, are, this is resonating with you. You need to listen to, to Jeannie's podcast because it will, it'll make you feel not so alone. Um, I think we've all had experiences like this. Andrew continues his top three thing and asks her about her top three meetings, which was weird. But it led to something so incredible. She talks about how much she loves post-its and conference calls. But she says that she's recently started refusing to attend meetings that don't have an agenda. I love it. Which is such a brilliant move because what those do is waste your time. And if you attend them, you're agreeing that your time is essentially useless. And she's saying, no, I'm not going to waste my time like that. If we don't have an agenda, I'm not going. It makes me so I hate meetings so much because I really think that people just want to hear them like self discuss something. And I'm like, no, 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 we could just do this on the phone or not even on the phone. We could do it via email or Slack or whatever the mode you choose is. I hate them. I think they go too long. I like I when people push a meeting, it is like such relief to me because like I if I have a meeting at two in the morning I'm already kind of like annoyed by it because it Dreading means I have yes and it means I have to like eat lunch at a different time and kind of hustle yep. up I can't go on my walk because I'm like well you know it's it sucks and I'm just sitting here trying to work all I'm trying to do is get my work done we don't have to meet about this I often have meetings where I'm in charge because doctors are coming to me for advice my meetings that I have one-on-one with investigators are never ever more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Ooh, um, I like it. And that makes me half the time I walk away being like, this could have been an email. Um, <laughs> but sometimes they want to meet in person and whatever, that's fine. But um, I very rarely have meetings. And I'm so grateful for this where it's just nothing, you know, people hearing themselves talk. Like, Ugh. we don't really have to do that. I'm not in leadership. If I was if, if I was in leadership, I would have to go to they call them huddles. Ugh. Oh, yeah, office. we have those. Yeah. Um, and I'm not in leadership, and I'm imminently grateful for that. <laughs> well, I've just gotten to the point lately where if I'm not essential to the meeting and it doesn't seem interesting to me, I just don't go. And Good. that's yeah. been very freeing to me. Yeah. And at the university, it seems like there are a lot of different quote-unquote stakeholders 
for every project. So they want to, you know, have everybody together that might possibly be involved mm-hmm. so we can all get on the same page. And I'm like, eh, what are the odds that anybody's going to need me for this? I'm out. Good for you. Good. Your time is more valuable yes. than that. Ugh. Um, top story for today. This is a hard right turn. Um, monk seals are <laughs> snorting eels up their noses. Of course they are. And it was a super disgusting uh. discussion. This, so I listened to, I, I was just, dis- before we went, uh, before we hit record, I was, I was telling the ladies about an unfortunate night I had where I had a little too much Glenlivet. <laughs> and I was listening to this the next day when I was feeling extremely nauseous <laughs> and I had to turn it off at some point. <laughs> Oh, it's so gross. You know, I like can't um, the picture like I people kept posting about it, uh, like all over Facebook and, and mm-hmm. um, Twitter and stuff. And people kept posting that picture. And I like couldn't look at it. like I would have to scroll really fast because it grossed me out so much. I was like, I don't want to look at it. I mean, the the first time I saw it when I wasn't hungover, I was like that that seal looks so happy. <laughs> oh, it's true. <laughs> it looks super chill and super content. Like I'm so glad I have this eel at my nose. But at that moment, I really couldn't. I couldn't listen to anyone talk about it or think about it. Not I had today, to pause it and Wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was everywhere, and I'm glad. I'm glad it's over because what the fuck, Ugh. monk seals. Um, they talk about Kevin Hart's Oscar stuff. Um, he uh, was basically disinvited from hosting the Oscars. I saw him a couple of years ago in in Dallas, um, and I was I was pretty turned off by it. Oh. It was, you know, they were talking about how like, oh, he's enlightened, like he's way better. And I, I was there with my friend Jocelyn, and we went. Like we took a little bathroom break at some point and we were like, what the hell is going on here? Like there was still tons of gay panic in his comedy. It was still really misogynistic and still really homophobic. And so I was surprised to hear them. And it seems like that's what everyone's saying. Like, oh, he's gotten better. I don't think so. I mean, this was like maybe two, three years ago. Well, and the frustrating thing that he did as well is had he just said, you know what, I'm real, first of all, like scrub, if you're going to do anything, scrub your Twitter, like it'll make it harder to find, you know, be, don't <laughs> yeah. be stupid. Um, but secondly, if he had just said, hey, I, I fucked up, like this was shitty and I really have evolved in this and I am so sorry, um, you know, my heart like goes out, like la la, done a proper apology instead of mm-hmm. getting immediately like, Burbankianly defensive about it defensive um, then I feel like people would be like okay you know he is really popular and I don't think he's that funny but he fits this bill of you know a lot of people really like him and he's you know embraced by a lot of people if he had kind of just said like hey I fucked up then I think people would have totally accepted him but the fact that he got mm-hmm. shitty it was like okay see you later goodbye that goes for so many of yes. these kind of controversies yes. where where people do non-apologies and it makes things worse yeah. i feel like why haven't we learned from that yet know. like if you do a graceful apology people are like cool like all right you know everybody everybody has the right to like learn and grow and change and that's fine as you know it's it's more about your reaction to the mistake that you made than the mistake itself and uh he isn't reacting very well no, exactly but what this did give us was a great story from Jeannie about how her father, and she said this sprung from, from I think, her cousin coming out um, yeah. and maybe being forced to come out because he had AIDS, which Ugh, is just terrible, atrocious and tragic. Um, but her father just turned her one day and said, you know, Jeannie, I, would, I will love whoever you fall in love with, mm. whether that's a girl or a boy. And that just is so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I love that. My my dad is gay. I'm sure I've mentioned that a hundred times on the show. Um, and this reminded me of the time I was maybe 16 or 17, and my dad was trying to keep closer tabs on me because he was pretty. I was a pretty free range kid. And there, he went through a little phase where he's like, I'm going to be responsible. So he's like, I need a list of all your friends and their phone numbers. And I gave him a list of like 20 boys. <laughs> he was like, okay. Uh, honey, are you coming? Are you coming out to me as straight? <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I... Yeah, dad, I'm sorry. Are you still going to love me? <laughs> Do you accept me? Yeah. I'm sorry. I disappointed you, dad. <laughs> Uh, they talk about like better better ideas for hosts, and they come up with Maya Rudolph, which I totally agree. Like she should host everything. Sure, she's great. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, and then we've got some emails. Um, Jeannie gives us a story about how Alexa will make a fart noise, and she just kind of brings that up for the rest of the episode. Which is pretty <laughs> great. You can ask her to do it, and she'll do it. I haven't actually tried. I don't have an. I don't have one of those devices. I have a Siri device and a Google device, but I I should try it with those and see see what happens. Um, and this came from the, 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 the dart story where they were accusing each other of farting and ruining the <laughs> dart competition. And so um, we get an email um, suggesting that maybe ro- roller derby is a great place to, to, to crop dust some people. Um, that seems like a really great way to get back at your enemies All right. in a sport like that. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then, oh, we get an we get a voicemail from listener Franco in Switzerland. Uh, it was so adorable. He seemed so like hesitant and and nervous about this, but he said that he chose chooses the milk with the the latest expiration date. Yeah, no shit, Franco. And he's wondering if that was okay. Everybody does. Everybody, everybody does, does that. I mean, I I see ladies at Meyer like digging through, <laughs> like throwing <laughs> gallons on the floor to get to the ones in the back because they're newer. I mean, of course, you know, there's no moral quandary there. No. Just do it. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you don't have to pick the first one. It's not like a vending machine where you're like, all right, I guess this is what I have to take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not taking your lumps. I mean, you, you need your milk to last however long you need your milk to last. So it's fine. Yeah. And that's Monday. All right. Uh, Tuesday, 2790, subverting the thirst paradigm. Um, okay, Luke is in New York, and he's doing a story about um, – oh, I think he's doing a lot of stuff for CBS, but he's doing a story about how um, it's been – we've had Encyclopedia Britannica, I guess, for t- 250 years. And then they kind of started talking about the encyclopedia. Um, and, I, like, it's so weird. You know, um, Andrew feels really guilty for the stuff that he had, like how he was a spoiled kid. And I'm like, yes, the encyclopedia is shockingly expensive, but don't feel, you didn't buy that. And it was like a good thing. It wasn't like a ATV or whatever other like dune buggy that you had. Like it was good to have the encyclopedia. We, we had one and I privilege is something to acknowledge, but not be ashamed of. Exactly. Exactly. Because I feel like that then in turn makes you kind of feel resentful for feeling bad. And it's like, no, I had an encyclopedia growing up. I was super lucky to have that. Like, then move on. Um, I do. I was thinking the other day and I was talking with some friends about um, like they were talking about copying the encyclopedia. I guess you would like go to the library. And I was talking to friends about when you used to do research papers like in high school and how you – this has nothing to do with the encyclopedia, but how different it is, I guess, for kids these days. Kids these days um, about <laughs> like – I used to go to the SMU library, which was the university closest to my house, and I would 
like we couldn't check out books so I would just sit there and copy pages of it was like you know 10 cents a copy or whatever and I would like get all of my dad's change and just go copy pages so I could write a research paper and oh I, yeah I'm like god things are so different they just have it like on their I was about to say in their computer but they have it on their fucking phones uh, mm-hmm. it's just, just such a different time so I just like I had that yeah. memory of co- like and then you wouldn't copy it well enough because the like the page uh like the curve of the page and you're like damn it I can't read this <laughs> what does it say well and then you you turn in a paper that like, that's like the United States <laughs> is Thailand's largest export partner <laughs> and their primary export is coconuts <laughs> Or whatever. Like, I definitely wrote that myself. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Came right from my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I still remember, I guess we were a little older, but being told on no uncertain terms that Wikipedia was not an acceptable source. Oh, Oh, I was told that in college all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it is now, but it seems like Wikipedia is just I use it as one all the time. It's a casually accepted source. (laughs) It is. And I feel like... Yeah, maybe the details of, like, I don't know, like, Zach Braff's life might not be completely accurate, but, like, you can go, (laughs) you know, you can go on, just get, like, the macro details of something pretty good. Yeah, and, well, and it seems like controversial topics are the ones that get, because people keep, can edit them, Uh, and they do, to to fit their ideology, and it will probably get fixed, but, like, you could, you could catch a couple details that are maybe not quite fully accurate. Yes, yes. Anyway, so I just I had a memory when he was talking about that. Um, I don't know why. This was weird. Andrew was talking for a, kind of a while about how he did some weird shit to some books. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> um, I didn't really understand it, but I think he semi-destroyed some book. Um, and then this he is what I felt. the encyclopedia's spines by poking at yeah. them with a metal yardstick while he was talking on the phone. <laughs> it was so weird but then I felt bad for him and this is like I think kind of travels with Andrew as he gets older it's like he thought he wasn't going to be in so much trouble that he was going to like die and I mm-hmm. felt so bad for him I mean I I'm a little anxious and I can kind of um you know push things out of like I think it's going to be worse than it actually is but uh, but I was like oh poor Andrew like that's how he lives his life sometimes oh that's how I was as a kid too like I had visions of myself in a black and white striped prison uniform <laughs> when I was in preschool because I threw a snowball at somebody I was like well there's a black mark on my record I guess I'm never going to college so I may as well just like be a prisoner and a criminal now uh, yeah it's true uh it's pretty dramatic <laughs> um I this is one of the parts of the show there were two parts of the show that made me like infuriated me this is the first one um Luke was talking about, I guess, like end of year, you know, top 10 lists of podcasts and whatever best ofs for 2018. And Luke was talking about his relationship to the show and like how he's kind of released desire on making it super duper popular, but then kind of being pissy about like, why aren't they in the top 10 or anybody's best of list? And then it just like, they were talking about how, yeah, yeah, they could do some marketing or whatever, but they're never going to do that. So it's fine. We don't have to be that popular. And it just annoys me. They're like, this is their job. I mean, I know that Luke has a bunch of other jobs, but this is Andrew's primary job. It's not that hard. Do the work. And there are people you work in uh, with a company that is willing to help you. Like they want to push you to be popular because it's in their best interest. And they're just unwilling to do it. And I don't know if it's this like, 
I don't want to think I want it too badly, so I'm not even going to try. It's so frustrating to me. And then it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it goes back to like when Luke's on, wait, wait, don't tell me. And then the next week inevitably is like the worst week they've ever recorded. And it's mm-hmm. so frustrating because it's like people tune in. They're probably like, what the fuck is this? Uh, Didn't we get a good through your phone about this? Oh, yeah, I think we did. Um, it was Carolyn. She said, Tuesday show. I was horrified at the discussion about how neither Luke nor Andrew want to do any marketing for TBTL. Don't they know how lucky they are to have this job and how important uh, important promotion is? I hope no one from APM was listening. Or if they were, try to explain the concept to the guys. It concerns me that uh, there appears to have been no supervision of TBTL for over a year. While Preach, a lot of Carolyn. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where are they? Uh, while a lot of interference would be detrimental, some management clearly needs to occur. Someday, someone at 8 p.m. is going to wonder if the show is worth the amount of support they put into it. Fully agree. Totally. Fully agree. It's really frustrating, and it's sort of disrespectful, too. I mean, I don't need this to be, like, you know, my favorite murder or whatever. Like, it doesn't need to be this huge podcast, but, like, try to grow it and I don't know like this week I've really felt while I some thought some discussions were interesting I really felt like yeah I know there's a show sheet and they follow it sort of but it felt like they went on tangents nobody was holding their feet to the fire except on Monday when it was like Andrew felt like he had to follow the show sheet and it was fun I felt you know I enjoyed it, but like also there was some order this week. It would just be like, Oh, let's just talk about some random Christian music or something for an hour. And I don't even know what they're talking about. It was just, that's when I felt it it needs to have, I mean, I say Jen as a shortcut because she was sort of the, the hand that can, you know, molded it to what it was. But, uh, somebody like that to, I don't know, give it some direction, keep them in check a little tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah was really annoying um anyway so they kind of talked about it and i don't know it it goes back to like their egos are so fragile that they like they don't you know they don't want anybody to think they're trying so hard or any and they don't want to fail so they're just not even going to try which is like i i tell my daughter all the time like you just need to try hard like i don't care if you fail it's fine if you fail you know and that's a good Mm -hmm. it's it's a tough lesson but it's a good lesson i don't but i don't care like if you're not trying that's when i'm the most frustrated so anyway right uh (laughs) so uh this is the second thing that really pissed me off (laughs) this week luke casually mentioned so casually that i had to like uh rewind and listen to it again that he sends pics of care uh, to carry of cute animals he, so because he, he wants her to stop eating animals and i was like what the fuck like, carrie yeah. is a grown-ass uh-huh. woman she can do whatever she wants and also you're sending a cute picture of like a baby pig it just doesn't like equate it or like a puppy or whatever it's i don't know it's so frustrating he has such like a teenager's idea of vegetarianism and i don't think vegetarian is bad like i think great like rocket that's great but he has a skewed vision of it also a and b like she can make her own decisions like i don't know it really i really made me mad i'm trying to imagine if dave like did that to me i'd be like are you kidding me um i'm a joy to be married to so uh no that's messed up that's messed up no it is you know she can make her own choices about food he's been eating meat for 40 years with he's had moral quandaries about it which he's talked about on the show 
but they've always they've always boiled down to uh, oh well it tasty yes. it tastes good yeah you know like it still boils you know, down he, to that he ate fucking bacon later this yes week, so. yes yeah he did he did um so i think you're i think you're totally right on there hillary he's he's pretty out of line yeah if somebody tried that with me i'd be like excuse me while i go eat this ham and bacon sandwich <laughs> mm, with foie gras top. no i'm just kidding but... <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just was like, ugh. I, I'm sure she takes him with a grain of salt and is like, whatever, kind of, uh, you know, d- like ignores some stuff. But I was, I hope I so. do too, because that would really, really piss me off. Um, and then, okay, top story is from listener David, who I, I guess is in Canada. Um, it's a, like they did this big study about, or I don't know if it's a big study. They did a study about words that are intrinsically funny. Um, and it was, I, I wrote this note down, but then he corrected himself. I was like, Andrew, it's not a premiere. What are you talking about? I know. (laughs) And then he was like, so embarrassed. I sort of felt bad. Um, I, I don't know the, the words that they chose were not funny to me, really. I, they were kind of like, there, this is, this is not correct. It's not an onomatopoeia because it's not like doing this, but it kind of is that way, sort of, I don't know, like. But I call Dave Bubby, so it's like not funny to me, really. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like the sort of uh, Yiddish version word for grandmother. So yeah, it's kind of funny. But but I thought they were mostly kind of dumb. And then Luke thought Cooch was the funniest. I think Cooch is gross. Uh huh. You know, the word I think is the funniest is underpants. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> there's a book called Captain Underpants, and I think a movie. Yeah, and my kids laugh. Well, and every that's why that's one of the reasons it's so funny. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't even on the list, so hmm. subjective. It's almost like humor is subjective. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I thought that it was like there's some Iranian student student in the article, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't think that's funny. I don't think Cooch is funny." Now, also, you know, it's per language or whatever, but I kind of like that this guy was like, "No, that's stupid. That's not funny." Um, mm-hmm. but I kind of thought it was a silly article that, that had no basis really in research except just like asking people. Um, uh, we have a actual interesting, I thought it was an interesting, um, uh, email about this. Was it an email or was it a voicemail? No, I can't. I think it was a, was it a, now I can't remember. Um, this guy, uh, a listener s- stopped, uh, and directed traffic and like a really big, like uh, traffic jam. And I, Oh, that was a voicemail and it was super cute. It, it was so impressive. Like I am kind of like how Genevieve was like, if I like had to direct traffic or do something, I'd be like, I'm quitting now. Goodbye. Like I would like <laughs> run away. I'm way too stressed, but I'm really impressed with this guy. Like that, that takes some balls and it seems like it was successful. Um, well, and it got his kid to be like super proud totally. of him, which he loved. And that was the cute yes. part. It was like his kid thinks he's a superhero and that made his day. No, that's really awesome. Though I get really annoyed. Dave does this thing sometimes when we're walking across the street and there's like a car coming, but it's not like speeding or anything, but a car is coming as we're walking across the street and Dave will put it out of his hand like, stop. And I'm like, they see us. <laughs> you don't need to direct mm-hmm. traffic. He's like, oh, they seem to be going fast. I'm just, I'm telling him to stop. I'm like, all right, Officer Butler relax um anyway that was basically the end of the regular show and then no point which you know whatever I was like this is so long and forever taking and it wasn't even that long and this is what I'll say about no point that really annoys me is that Luke really gets off on telling Andrew all about football so he could be this like Yoda of football and like he doesn't know that much 
uh, and it's just annoying to me. I just he gets this tone in his voice that annoys me, and I, I it like even though I do like football, unfortunately, I um, it's it's so boring to me, and I don't think he's half as knowledgeable or charming as he thinks he is on this. Anyway, I they were talked about the. Seahawks game which they won but it was kind of a shitty game and I personally don't like uh, Monday night ESPN games I think the production value is super weird um, so I don't really watch them that much but it was not a great game but Seattle how won. about those Seahawk uniforms <laughs> wow really... I flipped past it for two seconds and I was like ah I'm blind <laughs> no what happened where am I yeah that was intense I'm sure I know that there's some strategy that a Seahawks fan could explain, but I I don't really know what it is. Of the of the I was about to say the costumes of the uniforms. <laughs> um, Whatever. Again, it's fine. Um, Luke not drinking during the game makes it sort of weird. Like, did the Seahawks play great or did the Vikings play terribly? Um, I think more of the latter, but I don't know. Uh, Andrew gets schmoopy about Russell Wilson. Fine, whatever. Um, and just how like he like he really can you know play a shitty game, and then he puts it together at the like very end. And I think Mike talked about this last week, and it was like, yeah, no shit. Like he's a good quarterback, so and that's what they do. They get like can put together a drive at the end. Um, I they talk about um, the coach uh, what, Pete. Why am I forgetting his last name? Um, shoot. <laughs> Hold on. Don't ask me. I don't know. I don't know why all of a sudden I blanked. I hate Pete Carroll. So he does always look dumb. He's aggressively chooses gum and it annoys me. Also, he's a 9-11 truther. Don't ever forget that. So he's full of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, tax, we beat him when he was the coach of USC, which he had to flee under controversy. Mike, I'm saying this for you because your coach fucking sucks. And uh, we beat them in the Super Bowl <laughs> the last minute. So... Screw you, Pete Carroll. Um, anyway, <laughs> they had some playoff confusion, which I guess they admitted to. They w- talked about the NFC teams that are good, and they like don't really know about it. They didn't mention the Saints. They talked about the Eagles for a second, and the Eagles aren't even good, even though they won last year. So it was just dumb. Um, then quick Browns talk. Um, they won, and and they are actually sort of starting to look good. Like they, I think Luke is right. I think next year uh, they will be a pretty decent team. Um, if you know, limited injuries and it's like pretty stable. And like um, Andrew said, he wants to be like Mary J. Blige, no more drama. <laughs> so um, that was basically the end of Tuesday. All right, let's go to Wednesday. Number 2791 planes, pains and automobiles. Luke's in New York. He has this whole thing about how his room on the 31st floor looks into the offices of the building next door, specifically a conference room, and he is just amazed that the conference room has been having conferences all day. (laughs) So weird. He's sort of like amazed by office life. Like people are in the office all the time. Yeah. Andrew's like, you should write a screenplay about all the conferences that happen in the conference rooms. Um, so he went out last night with Mike Pesca and Robert Smith to a place called Barcade, which sounds terrible, um, because there were a bunch of company parties for, I guess, multiple, like, investment brokerage companies, uh, including there was an ugly sweater party. Ugh. 
Hillary, do you of have course. anything you'd like to say about ugly sweater parties? <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I don't. I don't like meetings. I don't participate in uh, ugly sweater parties. If people want to have them, fine. It does not suit my body type, so I do not wear them. I think they look dumb. And I think the whole point of them before was like, the first one I went to was in 2007. And at that point, I was like, this is so fun. Like, that's hilarious. You have like, not my mom, but some mom's like old shitty, you know, sweater that they had to celebrate Christmas in 1985. Like, that's sort of funny. But now that people are like buying them and shit, like, it just seems, I agreed with the guys. It's like, kind of like diminishes the point of it. And... It is. I mean, I work in a broy office, and it is such a brotastic thing to do. Like, isn't it? I'm so yep. random and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, you looked very cute in your green <laughs> your green dress that was not yes. an ugly Christmas no. sweater. So, yeah, thank you. A green dress and red lipstick was about as far as I'll go as for festive wear. Mm-hmm. I so Luke tried and pretty much failed to refrain from being judgy about the ugly Christmas sweater wearing bros, but nobody ever accused investment bankers of being creative people. No. So no, I I don't know what they're supposed to do. Hey, they're having a good time. Yeah. And I'm like, if they weren't, you know, it's not like my ideal people, but like if they weren't bothering you, then I don't know who cares. And also Mm -hmm. Barcade is, I've never been there before, but it, was featured, I believe, in an episode of Sex in the City, and it's sad that I like can recall that. But I and I like it's been around for a long time, and I imagine that it's like it's an ar- like arcade with drinks. So I'm imagining right. that it is, you know, a lot of broy competitive people that want to drink and like, you know, play uh, like whatever what's it? golden tea or something like that, like competing mm-hmm. golf games. So yeah, yeah, I, I think they were sort of stepping into the lion's den, not the reverse. Right. You know what you're getting when you go to a place called Barcade. Yeah. Um, Luke says that he has released desire on being a hipster. Mm. Eh, I don't know if I believe that totally. I mean, definitely, definitely way better than 2008 white v-neck wearing uh, Luke. Skinny jeans. Yes. Yes. Uh, But for sure. I, I think it's still in his blood. Maybe, maybe he's released desire on being a hipster, but he's still trying to be hip. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, in the course of talking about this, I forget. Uh, Andrew says he got a fake ticket recently on his car windshield uh, that was advertising Bumble, the dating site. And because of that, he hates Bumble with a fiery passion because he thought he was going to get in trouble. And so it gave him all the bad feelings. And yeah. Luke says, for his point of view, he just would have been really happy and excited that it wasn't actually a ticket because he was like, for once, he was like, I've gotten hundreds of tickets. And I was like, dude. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, I listen, I don't want to act like I'm superior or anything because maybe I'm neurotic in the other way, but I've never had a parking ticket ever. (gasps) Really? It is. Really? It's possible. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's because I never go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I stay. My car is in the garage all the time, but it is possible to minimize parking tickets I that think you get. I've gotten a meter like a you know expired meter ticket I think that's the I think I've gotten one in my life the last mm-hmm. the last time knock on wood I haven't gotten one I don't think I've ever gotten one in 
Austin. I did get one, but I, I had actually paid the meter and I just improperly put the stickers. So I like fought mm-hmm. it and won. Um, but I used to kind of get them in LA, not a lot, but I would definitely get once a year because my meter would run. It sucked because it was so expensive and I <laughs> probably charged it on a credit card or something. And I was like, I can't afford this. So here you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, but as I grow older, I am like, don't park in a place where you think that you might get a ticket. Like, if you are unsure, then you're probably going to get a ticket. So go find another place. Yep. Luke says that if he had been the one who had come up with the idea for this fake parking ticket from Bumble, he would have been really proud of himself (laughs) because he would have thought that that was a really good idea. (laughs) Oh, okay. It just makes me laugh, too, that, like, Andrew got a Bumble, like, of all the people, minus even just having a girlfriend, like... (laughs) Of all the people, right. cannot see him joining Bumble. You can't see him filling out his Bumble profile? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, continuing with car talk, uh, Luke says that in New York, the Lyft drivers are different from the Lyft drivers he's experienced everywhere else in that they don't talk to you. But, you know, he's okay with that because he doesn't always want to have to talk to the Lyft drivers. He doesn't want to be rude. They kind of get back into this whole idea of whether or not it's rude to not talk in a lift. We've been through that. Um, but they sound like like they sound like cabbies, basically. Yeah. I think a right? lot of them. I think a lot of them are. Like I think a lot of them. Yes, they are. You know, they're not making any money working for Yellow Cab or whatever. So they're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I'm just gonna go drive. Well, they don't need to get a token. Yeah, exactly. Thousand dollar cab yeah. token yeah. to to ride for Lyft. <laughs> Michael Cohen's not selling them anymore. So. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he says that yesterday the Lyft driver called him and was trying to finagle out of him exactly where he wanted to go. And once Luke told him, he was like, Oh, sorry, got a flat tire. Can't take you. Cause they, in the middle of the discussion. Yeah. yeah right? They don't want it. I mean, <laughs> it makes sense, right? It's shitty, but the most lucrative thing is going to be doing airport runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so easy to just do a cycle, pick up, drop off, pick up, drop off. I don't know. I've, I haven't lived in New York, but I've been plenty of times to visit and, and I usually stay in Brooklyn and I've never had a problem with somebody being willing to take me to Brooklyn or from Brooklyn. Like, I feel like there's enough people in Brooklyn to where yeah. you could get another fare there. I right. don't really get what the problem is with that. I don't know. Uh, Andrew brings up the story he told this before I recall about when he was in Cleveland and the Lyft driver decided he didn't want to take Andrew and so he called him up and hollered at him to cancel because <laughs> oh he gosh. wanted Andrew to get the black mark and not him to get the black mark so that's some shady behavior that is super shady then he has a question he wants to see how Burbankian this lady <laughs> on his plane was (laughs) he says she was pulling a Burbank she as they had they had landed but were still taxiing or waiting to get off of the plane and as soon as they could turn their cell phones on she started ordering takeout from the plane before they were (laughs) deplaning and she was trying to time it so that it would meet her at her house and um, Andrew thinks that does sound like something that Luke would do and Luke's like Well, the calling from the plane, no, because I wouldn't want other people to hear me. But as soon as I found myself a little quiet corner in the baggage claim or whatever, you bet that I'm going to be trying to do some complicated timing stuff with the rideshare drivers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Um, And then Andrew 
uh, says that he doesn't like it when Lyft drivers stop in the middle of the lane outside his apartment to pick him up because there's no good place to pull over. That's not a real hassle. And so they just stop traffic and wait for him to get in. And I'm sure it makes him feel rushed and like, you know, he's doing something wrong by holding up traffic. So he, he has gotten so defensive that he has several times given people the finger while they're <laughs> waiting for him and Genevieve to get into the list. Such Andrew, a you're 42 God. years old. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Oh, my God. And then, uh, speaking of Andrew's traffic problems, um, yesterday he says, <laughs> you know, on the subject of giving people the finger, yesterday he got really mad at an old lady because he was trying <laughs> to park the car and he found a spot, but she was blocking the lane because she had her door open just a little bit too wide and he feels that when she saw him that she passive aggressively slowed everything down to take her time no, so that he would have to be there i love this lady, lady. i'm sure Andrew. she could sense like how irritated this dumb little nothing thing made him and she's like i'm gonna make it worse <laughs> god he uh, he the stuff listen Everybody worries about stupid shit. It happens. Like you were like get frustrated. You know, if you're if I'm late oh, for sure. something or or like traffic is really bad, I always feel like people are intentionally going slow in front of me. And I know like that's my reptile brain being like psychotic. But uh but like it's not real. <laughs> this woman was just she just didn't realize. And that is frustrating when people mm-hmm. aren't aware of like their surroundings or whatever. But he gets overly uh pissed about it. Like it is not uh like a correct reaction. I will tell you, I have deliberately done this back in the day <laughs> I, when I worked in the mall and they used to make you. us we weren't allowed to park up close to the mall, of course, because those spots are for customers they would make us park way out in the overflow parking and so when I would walk out at the end of the night and maybe it's during the Christmas shopping season and spots are scarce and somebody would start following me to get my spot and I'd be like oh they're like stalking you for parking I'd be like I'm just gonna stroll down (laughs) and then I used to like to get about two-thirds of the way down the the lane and then just like cut over to the next lane. <laughs> so just rude. Just oh, my God. oh, that's the best way to make someone <laughs> furious. Yep. They're like, is she drunk? What the fuck is she doing? I was just like, leave me alone. <laughs> and also, Quit that's creepy. Me. Go away. Like, just cool it. You, uh, whatever. Yep. People are dumb. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Andrew is very proud of himself that he went to this teriyaki restaurant the other day and he, hold, he held the door for a whole bunch of people coming in. It sounded like he kind of got stuck doing it you know you hold for the first couple of people and then it sort of gets weird if you let it drop in the faces of the people coming up to it but then he got really worried that then they would all get in line in front of him and he would have to wait so long to order especially since he was eating with Genevieve and she only has a limited amount of time for lunch Um, but they didn't cut in line so it's all it's all good and he and he hates people who cut in line of course he did of course he does because he's Andrew and Mm -hmm. Luke says he is a line cutter. Of course he does. Because he's he Luke. <laughs> but he says it's unintentional because he just doesn't realize. And I'm like, mm, you don't realize because you don't want to realize. Yep. Yeah. He's not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, Luke says that he is has to end the show. 
thank God, because he has to go to CBS where he's going to record three commentaries for CBS Sunday Morning. And I wrote in my notes, they sound terrible. There's <laughs> one about the feed two birds with one scone story. Mm. One where he's comparing Rudy with George H.W. Bush's dog, Sully, which we all know is just an excuse to put pictures of Rudy yes. on the television, mm-hmm. as Ru- uh, Luke admits. I think I'm, that is a lame reason yeah. to... There are a lot of people in this country who would kill to get some time on a major TV show, and you're just getting your dog on there. And then one about football that I don't even... We'll talk about that more later. Yeah. So that is Wednesday. Let's go to Thursday, 2792, Blur's Days on Ice. Also Are known we... as uh, Mike's favorite show ever. <laughs> 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 I mean, this might be, I think we all hated this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was not much going on. Um, Andrew starts out by maybe reading a story during the intro about how people are smuggling finches into the country for betting on the volume of their chirps, which he finds slightly dubious. And this leads him to talking about tribalism, like political tribalism, and why do we believe what we believe, and who do we trust and why, and news sources and stuff. So, I mean, I think maybe we should all just go to Chris Hayes for this and not take the secondhand watered down whatever they're talking about. Um, Andrew talks about um, how he's listening to the Slow Burn podcast, which I haven't listened to. It's so good. Very good. That I I actually liked the uh, the Clinton one better than I liked the they're both really good, but I like the Clinton one a lot. It's really, really, really good. So this one's about Spiro Agnew, the whole Spiro Agnew Oh, good. Agnew no, no, no. Thing. So, okay. Like- so there are two seasons of Slow Burn. One is about Watergate and the other is um, about uh, whatever, Monica Gate or whatever it's called. Okay. Um, then there is another podcast that, uh, what's her face? Rachel. Why am I like? Rachel Maddow. Yeah, what is wrong with me? Rachel Maddow House um, called Bagman and it's really good. And that's the one that's about Spiro Agnew. Um, oh, okay. And I agree. Sorry not to cut in. I agree with what um, Luke was saying that it's, it's, it's also really good. Um, and it's like, I was a political science major. Like I'm a, I am a history buff and I did not know that much about Spiro Agnew. Like I knew he, for whatever reason left, but I maybe thought that it was with Watergate or whatever, something like tangentially Mm -hmm. related to it. No, no. He was just like a separately completely corrupt person. Um, Anyway. So it's a, it's a cool, it's a good podcast. It's really interesting. I didn't know that about him either. I assumed that it was a Watergate thing. No, he was just like a really bad person. Yeah. I should check that out. I barely have time to listen to the podcast that I have to listen to though. So I, I have a really hard time adding, it, um, with the good thing with slow burn and bagman it's they're both you know limited series so mm-hmm. it's not like there's a million backlog like for i think there's seven. it's not one every day no no no. I, and i think there's like <laughs> yeah. with bagman i think there was like seven or something and they're not super long i don't remember them being super duper long so see the good. problem is that our baseline on podcasts has changed because we're used to five days a week two hours oh, long no, and we're no. like wait and I'm like I can't commit to more than that <laughs> you're like it's all, it's 35 minutes what I don't yeah. huh I, when am I gonna do that <laughs> I did um I listened 
occasionally to um, books on tape or whatever, Audible. And I was listening to this really, really bad romance novel, but like it was fine. Um, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, like I'll look back at my podcast and there are like five that I have to listen to. And then I have like 40 other ones and I kind of get panicky. Like, what am I going to do all of this? <laughs> so I, I get very like if I am not 100% interested in this topic, like it's gone. I can't. I don't have time for this. Oh, yeah. I can't. Me too. Can't I'm pretty this. brutal about cutting yeah. them because I have to have I have to prioritize. Yes. Yeah. Um, Andrew talks about his first journalism job at New Hampshire Public Radio and how he felt so unprepared for that because he wasn't really a news buff before he started working in the news, which that would make me freaked out, too. Um, And he talks about a a company retreat right after he started this job. He had to go to this company retreat and like bond with all these people he didn't know, um, which sounds like a nightmare to me. Um, but they, the Spiro Agnew came up as a trivia question and then he was put on the spot later to, to come up with that name and he couldn't do it for a few seconds, but then he did, which I was surprised it actually turned out that way. (laughs) I thought it was going to be another story of just like pure embarrassment and awkwardness, (laughs) but he just waited a couple of seconds before he spit out the right name. So it actually turned out okay. Um, Luke talks about how surprised he is that Addie's different from him. <laughs> she's kind of following in the same radio career path, but she says she's she'd rather be behind the scenes. And and Luke is just sort of like, what? What is that? What is that? You like? don't want to be the star of the show? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they talk about how there might be a wait, wait, don't tell me television show. And Luke is like, oh, there's no way it would be like me for sure. And he's I know in his head, he's like, oh, I hope it's me. Oh, yes, <laughs> for sure. I don't understand how this would work and why we would want it. I don't know either. I've seen the show live and it's it's delightful, but like it doesn't need to be on no, a television. No, I, I just don't think it would yeah. super translate. I mean, I didn't watch it, but I know they did. This American Life. I know that's a fully different thing, but they did a This American Life TV show, and I didn't hear super great things about it, though I didn't watch it. So I'm kind of talking. Yeah, I wasn't gripped by it, and I've seen This American Life live, but that's a totally yeah, different thing. They yeah. do actual performances yeah. and stuff, and you know, Ira Glass dances uh, during those, so it's it's really interesting. But I kind of don't think this would be the same. So I, I would be curious to see what it would be like, but I'm kind of dubious. Okay, so really what what most of this show is about is this horrible man sitting next to Luke on an airplane who is aggressively picking his nose for a really long time. And it sounds like doing maybe 20 other rude things. And Luke, I mean, this all sounds awful enough, but but it's made so much worse by the fact that this guy is younger than Luke. Mm Luke thinks he's very attractive. He has a man bun and he has a selfie of himself as his wallpaper. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> that's that's kind of like, I like kind of want to do that. Like mine are like my dumb kids. I kind of want to just put a picture of myself. Yeah. I have an angelic picture of bear sleeping right now as my wallpaper. I, I can't imagine opening my phone and looking at my dumb face every time. I would hate it. I would just throw my phone off of a cliff probably if my own face was my wallpaper. I would never do that. Um, the, the, but what really cracked me up about this is how emotionally, like how much projection Luke does mm-hmm. because he is like, this guy thinks like he makes so many assumptions about how he thinks this guy is emotionally balanced. He's so namaste, but he's also a jerk. Like, you don't know anything about this guy. You really don't. Like, you don't know what he thinks about himself or how he is on the inside. He sounds pretty insecure to me. Um, 
just given his like outward peacocking yep. that he's doing. Um, and then he, he also kind of, it seemed like maybe <laughs> in my notes, in my long form notes, I wrote, Luke takes out some of his anger at the mummy on this stranger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Because he does that, like, oh, the universe will provide, well, well, that's actually your your benevolent friends providing. And I think that's such, like, a holdover from Mummy taking advantage of him all the time. I remember him yep. and Jen talking about that once. They, like, had a discussion about, you know, hippie people that take advantage of organized mm-hmm. people. But also, is Luke really the one that they're, like, is he the organized one? Oh, please. <laughs> like, he's the dependable one. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> once again, Andrew... Andrew had to break into somebody's house to steal his passport for him. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it was interesting, though, how, I don't know, Luke's relationship with the mummy broke bad so suddenly. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. was like years and years and years and years of that stuff. And then one day it was just like, no, no more. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a feeling we'll never hear the story on that. Yeah. No, I want to know. Which is fine. No, I want to know. Well, of course you do. Of course you do. I've kind of tried to suss it out, but I can't figure it out. Yeah. Damn it. I can't either. I'm I'm sure we've got some contacts who could help us with that. Guys. (laughs) What happened? Yeah. Um, And then maybe second top story for today. There were no actual top stories, but um, I guess uh, PETA... PETA's stuff about words about animals and now there's people who are mad at them and blah, 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 blah. Um, Andrew brings up some of the legitimate problems with PETA, which there definitely are, including that they euthanize animals, which they do. Yep. <laughs> um, not that that's actually, you know, I'm kind of, a, I'm, I'm conflicted about that. Sometimes they, they, what their take on it is that they rescue animals in horrible situations and sometimes they can't save them and it's, they're doing the humane thing. And I guess their facilities are like clean and, and you know, it's just, it's the injection that, that any other vet would do. It's nothing crazy. Um, but they're not a no kill shelter. And it, that seems a little bit strange given their animal rights thing, but they, they, they seem to have this opinion that it's better for an animal to be dead than for an animal to be like enslaved by humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a problem personally with their misogynistic messages. Uh, yeah. They've got this whole, I'd yeah. rather go naked than wear fur. And then they use naked women's bodies to draw attention to their cause. Yeah. And I don't love that. Um, I think there are plenty of reasons to dislike PETA. You can you can dislike them and still be into animal welfare and not eat animals if that's what you want to do. You don't have to be aligned with them. I think they're kind of extreme and crazy. Yeah, I agree. It kind of makes it look like... Like, I might agree with some of the things that they think slightly, but the way that they go about it, like, tarnishes it a little bit and then makes people mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a stupid cause or whatever. It just, they're, the way they go about it, it's it's just sort of more frustrating and I think sometimes does more damage than it does good. Yeah, they're a little bit ridiculous and they're a little bit, pre- they're very, oh, well, yeah. not a little bit, they're right. very preachy. Yeah. And and that turns people off. And and you know maybe they feel like they have grounds to be preachy and that they're they have the moral high ground. But they their messaging isn't great at reaching people. I don't think. All right, let's go to Friday then. Twenty seven ninety three. Small talk in a shrinking world. I decided I'm only going to talk about the things that are interesting. <laughs> Just not uh, much on this on the show. So um, that was Friday. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nailed and it. Until next time, <laughs> this is the next. Mm. Was this one of the worst top of the shows ever? I mean, Thursday was really bad, but Friday was just. 
what were they talking about well, for 45 I, minutes? Christian music. That is exactly what I said. Like, I, yes, was hung over this morning when I was listening to it. But I'm like, I don't get it. What are they talking? What are they talking about? I don't really understand. And almost every subject, I was like, I don't know what, what they're talking about right now. Why are they so impassioned about this? <laughs> well, let me let me try. <laughs> to get through this. I only have four lines of notes for this whole day. So that's I mean, all it deserves. Yeah. You know what my notes normally look like. This is yeah. kind of amazing. Uh, Luke is still in Chicago and they immediately start talking about funny Christian songs. And this guy, Randy Stonehill, who I've never heard of, who was apparently the Christian weird Al. And they decide to analyze, quote unquote, some of the lyrics from his songs and they're like, well, but what's his thesis with this song? It just doesn't make sense. And I'm like, it pretty much makes sense. It's a guy who wrote a song yeah. about how we're trashing the planet and how our economy is not getting better despite the damage that we're doing. Oh, we did get a good throw your phone on that. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about this, but I really want to honor Fred's throw your phone. He says, Luke and Andrew are not able to recall the last time the U.S. economy shrank. <laughs> <laughs> they were just too young back in the late 2000s to remember something called the Great Recession. Very oh good. So dumb. It was, it's the stupidest non-point. So they were like, well, when, I mean, maybe the last time the economy shrank was like in the 70s. And I'm like, are you guys high? <laughs> what are you talking about? Go back and listen to your shows from terrible. 2008 and, you know, reminisce when uh, Lehman Brothers was closing. Like, Come on, man. Mm -hmm. uh, then they move on to the next non-topic is that they want the Tens to provide all the content for their Valentine's Day show. I'm actually surprised it's two months before this thing's going to come out and they're already working on it. So that's definitely a change from uh, years gone by. Luke is still really disappointed that they missed the deadline to get in the I'm with Cupid uh, I mean. title that he thinks is really genius. It's a great title. It's just as good as anything else they came up with. Um, but he's super proud of himself that he didn't big dog it because he felt like this was somewhat of an artificial deadline and he wanted to throw a fit and he didn't do that and he's super proud of his maturity and I'm like you are setting a low bar my <laughs> yeah, friend yeah mm -hmm. I mean you missed the deadline by a long shot and then you opened it to the tens and said everybody get your ideas in by tomorrow afternoon and then when somebody who had a good idea hadn't been listening to the show minutes after it dropped and so submitted their idea a little bit later you were all upset. It was entirely your screw up. Yeah. So if you're going to be upset, be upset at yourself. But and the thing that they do that frustrates me, and I'm, is that they they also minimize other people's jobs. And yes, yep. it's two months in advance, and <clears throat> I know that probably I guess things could be changed. But people are working hard, and there's things that they have to do, and they want to be done with this portion of this Valentine's th thing. And you changing it does screw up somebody's like day you know they they do have to work harder to get something done and I don't know it's like they can't market themselves 
but like expect everybody else to kind of run around and and do all this busy work for them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just found it really frustrating because and they do that right. A, they do that a lot with people who are like in more administrative jobs that they don't deem like cool or interesting. And I'm like, right. we're the people that get shit done. Like you would be floundering if if I wasn't there. You know, like figuring shit yeah. out for you. Uh, this might like at work I kind of get frustrated I did tell this guy that he minimized my job (laughs) he was like just do it real quick you know it's really easy and I'm like you can't do it I can do it you can't do it don't minimize my job Um, and I oh there's nothing worse than when people tell me like how easy something is going to be or how quick uh, it's going to be you know it's like don't tell me that because you're wrong like they're always 100% wrong yeah always and I don't know. Yep. It, it just I, every time they talk about like, I don't know why they couldn't change it. It just I get like my my like back gets up against like Ugh, this, you know, somebody somebody's mm-hmm. working hard on this and don't like don't screw it up at the last minute for like, I don't know, maybe a negligibly better title, like negligibly. Like it's not love is on the air. It's fine. It's good. It's cute. Yeah. Yep. But anyway. nope. Luke wants somebody in marketing to have to contact all the member stations or whatever again (laughs) and send them a different message and so now there will be two emails with two titles floating around and you know it is not good Luke um the rest of the show is mostly about movie criticism (laughs) oh Hillary I was thinking of you during this because it's had to be so painful for you Luke starts out by talking about the interstitial interviews in when Harry met Sally and how crushed he was to find out that they were in fact actors and not people who were longtime couples talking about their their relationships and I guess he praises it and saying how how great the acting was that he didn't realize that it was fake uh, Andrew has to have it all described to him in bewildering detail before he <laughs> understands what Luke's talking about. Because he's um, never seen or saw it once or something. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I sadly, like, if it's on right now, I'm like, I'm not going to the party I'm supposed to go to because I'm going to watch when Harry and Sally. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew wants to know if they still do those kind of things in rom-coms. They agree that it seems kind of like avant-garde to be in a rom-com. Oh, my God. What? What? In a chick flick? They could actually be good. My observation is I don't think they make a lot of rom-coms anymore. I think I heard something about that, about how there used to be, you know, dozens and dozens a year, and now there's six or seven, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think I feel like they don't make, and I mean this... And not a sexy way, Mike. I don't think they make adult movies anymore, really. Like, they, right. by like having, you know, e- even if it's not a romantic comedy, if it's like a thriller or something that's sort of somewhat intellectual, like you have to, I don't know, be like have a brain. You can't be 10 years old and watch it. I, they just don't really make those because they don't make a ton of money. They don't really cross over to the like Chinese market because it's either humorous or really subtle. So it like doesn't make as much sense. So I think that rom-coms really don't survive. Honestly, the only place that you can find rom-coms for the most part is like Netflix. They'll, they'll put them out mm-hmm. and, and you know, they throw a lot out of there to see what sticks and they do a lot of teen like rom-com stuff but yeah the like the days of a really great writer writing a rom-com they don't really happen as much anymore I don't think I was in the mood to watch one of the terrible holiday rom-coms yes the other day (laughs) but I found myself thinking I wish this was a hard r 
I wish there was yeah. sex yeah. in this rom-com. <laughs> yeah. I really I do. Have diff- I have a different website for you. Than <laughs> <if that's- laughs> but porn is so bad. I know. I mean, the acting and the plot and the everything is, and fat, frankly, the sex is bad too. <laughs> well, but wait a minute. Porn. So you're saying the acting on the Hallmark Channel is good? <laughs> it's better than what's on Pornhub. <laughs> today, yeah. today, today, Rory was watching some stupid Power Rangers thing, and I told, I looked at Dave, and I was like, Dave, do you know what this looks like? And he was like, What? And I'm like, It looks like P O R N. Like it has the setup for it, like <laughs> the production value, the like. The looks of the actors, they're like good looking enough, but like, you know, they'll do kind of <laughs> situation. And Dave was like, You're right, in like weird settings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched that. What was the new big Netflix one? The one with Vanessa Hudgens from oh, yeah, this yeah, year, yeah. where yeah. she's mm, she has yeah. the doppelganger and they switch yeah. places and then she falls in love with the prince or whatever. Yeah. And then he proposes at the end and I'm like, but you've known him for three days. You've kissed <laughs> one time. You haven't even boned. That's every one of these movies. I just... You need to see how somebody deals with adversity before you turn your life around for them. <laughs> Vanessa. Uh, it's the princess switch, by the way. Oh, thanks, Hillary. <laughs> oh, of course it is. Um, yeah, they they don't make rom-coms. But you know the thing that pissed me off the most about this discussion? Because when they were talking about, oh, um, oh, like, it's weird that it had these interstitials. Oh, oh, Rob Reiner was involved in it. Okay, well, that makes sense. And I was like, it's Nora motherfucking Efron. It's not Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is Rob Reiner is involved in it. But, like, she is when Harry met Sally. Like, that's what you think of. This is, like, you know, one of her crowning achievements. Mm-hmm. You don't think Rob Reiner just thought on the day, let's, you know, let's let's cut in some other stuff. Assholes. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I'm like, ugh, I don't know. I don't know why. I was just I, like, this is like the subtle stuff that kind of annoys me. Like These guys are super woke as far as certain things go. But it's like, oh, the dude's involved. Cool. OK. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, then they do film criticism, <laughs> as I wrote, with with no film criticism skills, basically, <laughs> for the rest of the show, about trailers for movies that haven't been released yet. So this Marwin Call documentary that they both love that I haven't seen. I, I mean, either. it's really hard um, figuring out what they're talking about when you have no context for it whatsoever but I guess there's going to be a fictionalized version of the story starring Steve Carell and Janelle Monet that they're very down with just on basis of the trailer I they kept saying that it was based on the documentary I don't think so I think it was based on the real life thing right they don't have to be faithful to the documentary and when people do fictionalized accounts they change things around all the time I mean, they're talking about a thing they haven't even seen yet. So I didn't I didn't take much of this discussion seriously. Right. I it was just it was frustrating and again, made very little sense. Uh, Music for your weekend. Luke is testing my patience (laughs) because I thought it couldn't get worse than the Paul McCartney Christmas song that shall not be named last week. But he made a run at it. With John Denver, please, Daddy, Oof. don't get drunk this Christmas. Yikes. And then wanted to spend some time analyzing the lyrics and why John Denver would have picked this song. I don't think it's that complicated, Luke. Uh, Andrew, by way of Phyllis, <laughs> thank you, Phyllis. Yes. 
um, picks K-Star, I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm, the Stur remix, which was great. And from listener Jill, the Pogues, Fairy Tale of New York, which is sort of a general consensus that it's the best Christmas song of all time. Luke says he doesn't know it. Um, that's not true because they talked about it on TV tale in 2008, which was an episode that I archived. Cause I was like, I know that song. Where would I know that song from? I, I wouldn't have heard that song anywhere, but on TV tale. So I went back and I looked and yep, there it was. So I, I, I've always thought like I've hung out with so many people just like Luke, who think that that song is super cool, like they're hipsters or they're old crusty punks, mm-hmm. and they think that's the best Christmas. It's never been good. Yeah, I don't he can't sing. Song. His voice is terrible, and he's off key, and it sucks. He's and he sounds so like flat. he's half drunk yeah. in the gutter. Yeah, he does. I hate it. I've always hated it. I think that Dave likes oh. it, and it's one of those that I'm like, give me Mariah Carey. I don't. Well, because he's from Boston, he's got to. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Well, so very underwhelming. Music for your weekend. Thanks, Phyllis, for yes. saving us <laughs> from the Sephora yeah. at JCPenney. <laughs> I loved it with the best description. It's like, I yes. completely imagine. I know exactly exactly where she's standing. That was a great song. That yeah. was really fun. At first, mm-hmm. I thought I wasn't going to like it. And then, like, when I got into it, I was like, oh, I like this. This is fun. All right. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you would like to own some LRB merchandise, we have a place where you can purchase it from littleredbandwagon.com and there's a button that says shop not giving the url because it upsets bobby (laughs) uh the archive project continues um they keep making shows guys we we gotta we gotta record what goes on or the next time they talk about the pogues we won't be able to accurately say (laughs) when that was um i hopefully you're wrapping up your Christmas shopping now, but if you are still I've buying, b- I've barely started, so no. Oh, you got plenty of time. I'm almost done. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time. Go to Amazon. I just have to buy an extra bottle of Glenlivet because I drank <laughs> the one that I got for my right. stepdad. Right. That was the test bottle. Yeah, I had to make sure it wasn't poison. It <laughs> did, is poison. Do they sell alcohol on Amazon? Could you go to mm. littleredbandwagon.com/slash/amazon and get another bottle of Glenlivet? I don't know, but I'm going to try. <laughs> But every time you use our affiliate link, we get a few pennies, and that really helps us to keep the lights on around here. Thank you very much. And at our sister podcast, Earbuds and Earworms, triumphantly celebratory. That sounds uh, promising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It sounds kind of like I'm intrigued. Um, all right, guys, get involved. Little Red Band, Little Red Bandwagon dot com. I have a real problem saying that. I oh, I've done that a hundred times. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, come hang out with us. Uh, throwyourphone.com. Y'all been using it a lot. Thank you. Um, much appreciated. It's nice to know we have people who agree with us out there. On... We're, we're not just sh- shouting into the void. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, come to our Facebook page. Um, I real quick plug to Ann Miner. Uh, one of our top listeners. I'm going to rank y'all and she's one of the top. She gave a really like two weeks ago. She like, cause she's a former um, male person and she gave like a, like a list, like what you should do with returning mail. And it was so instructional. I'm really excited because I still get mail. I, we've lived in our house for eight years and we still get mail from the people that, or the people that live here that are like legit kind of, you know, it looks like it's a check or something, you know, it's not just like pre-sorted. 
um, like shitty mail. And uh, I I have their address, so I always end up forwarding to them. And I'm like, at this point, it's been eight years. Like, get it, your shit together. But anyway, and like gave me an instruction on the uh, on the little red bandwagon and Facebook page. So much appreciated. So anyway, y'all come down. It's it's fun. Um, the show Twitter is at LRB podcast. Email us at little red bandwagon at gmail.com. Our voicemail and text is 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Fax Bobby your butt at 617-354-8513. I'm going to keep saying it until it actually happens. Um, And with that, Meredith, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. Oh, we love you so much, Jen. Please come back. Help them. Miss you. (laughs) You're our only hope. (laughs) Nailed it.